Hopefully we'll see all you guys there. Um, we've been in the middle of a series on community, and this morning we're going to continue that. We're going to start off reading in Luke chapter 23, if you would turn there with me. We're going to start in verse 55. It says, The woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and his body, how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their face to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Amen? Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. I told you last week, and I'll tell you in every sermon I preach in this series, you were not meant to do life alone. You're not meant to do life alone, but the enemy will do everything he can to get you alone, to get you isolated to a place where he can steal, kill, and destroy your life. That's what the enemy is always trying to do. You guys will remember last Sunday, I said that we, will, we all go through hard things in life. We will all go through difficult situations, challenges. I don't know what you're going to have to go through in your life. I don't know what the challenge will be. Women, I want you to hear me this morning specifically. This message is geared for women and girls today, which I am extremely qualified to preach to. <laughs> women, you don't get to choose what you go through in life. There will be things that will be outside of your control. You don't get to choose what you go through, but you do get to choose who you go through life with. A couple of years ago, there was this controversy in women's tennis that surrounded uh, Serena Williams. And she had three penalties that were called on her in her match. Uh, the first penalty was the one I wanted to focus on today. She was called for a penalty for legal coaching. Now, I grew up playing baseball, and when I play, picked a, a spring sport, I picked baseball to play. And so I never really paid much attention to tennis. I never played tennis, and I didn't really know the rules of tennis that well. But through this controversy that happened, I learned a little bit about the rules of tennis. As it turns out, one of the rules of tennis is you cannot be coached during your match. You can have a coach, and you can have a trainer, and they can work with you ahead of time, but they're not allowed to speak to you at all during the match. And what Serena was called for was inappropriate coaching. Her coach tried to coach her during the match. When I heard that, I thought, you know, I think that's the way that a lot of women go through life. A lot of women go through life feeling like a woman's tennis player. A woman's tennis player has to encourage herself. She has to correct herself. She has to look out for herself. She has to gauge the opponent on her own. She has to do everything on her own. I think a lot of girls go through life feeling like that, like they have to do everything on their own. Like, I don't want every, anyone to know that I can't figure this out. I don't want anyone to know that I don't know what to do. And they go through life trying to figure out life alone. 
I'm not sure how I landed on sports analogies for a sermon to women, but we're going to give it a try. <clears throat> I don't think God wants women to go through life like tennis players. I think God wants women to go through life like boxers. So box, I know it sounds a little crazy. I don't want you fighting your husbands or anything. but So boxers go into the ring, they go into the fight, and the fight may be going their way. They may be throwing punches or blocking punches. The fight may be going their way, or it might not be going their way. But inevitably, there will be a bell that rings. And when that bell rings, the boxer goes back to their corner. When they go back to their corner, they have someone there that can tend to their wounds and stop the bleeding. They have someone that can remind them of what the game plan was. They have someone who can correct the things that they've been doing wrong. They have a coach that can encourage them. They have someone who gives them water so they can be refreshed. I think that's more how God wants women to go through life. You go through life, you get in the middle of the fight, but you go back to your corner, to the place where you can be refreshed and encouraged, and then you go back out and win your fight. We just finished going through the Easter season. I don't know about you, but I love Easter. Easter is full of new life, and usually it's springtime. Once in a while it's snowing, but usually it feels like the seasons are changing, and I love Easter time. Usually during Easter, we try and read the Easter story with our family together. And this year we were planning to do that. And it was Good Friday that I think we were going to read the story. And so I got up early before everyone else, and I was reading the story on my own. And when I did, something stood out to me that I hadn't seen before. I've read this story a lot of times, and I read this portion of the scripture a lot of times, but this never stood out to me in the same way. What stood out to me was I saw this girl gang in the Bible. Now, I didn't know there was a girl gang in the Bible. I didn't know such thing existed. But this time when I read the story, I saw this girl gang. When you read the different accounts in the different Gospels and you kind of put together the pieces, there's some different details that we see in the different Gospels. But we find out that there's this group of women that roll together. We see Mary Magdalene. We see Joanna. We see Mary, the mother of James. We see Salome. And it seems like there's also some other girls whose names aren't specifically mentioned. When I read this, I was thinking about these women, and I was thinking, why were they at the tomb of Jesus? Did they just happen to be there? Were they just happened to be walking by? And why did the angel appear to them before the angel appeared to anyone else? If we put together the different parts of this story from the different Gospels and pull it together, I believe there's some important things that women can learn. And if you apply these things to your life, it can make a big difference. Today I want to share with you out of the story of Easter why girls need a girl gang. <clears throat> the first thing I saw that stood out to me in this portion of Scripture was that friendship must be based on the right things. In Luke 23, verse 55, it says, The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Now, the resurrection takes place in Jerusalem, which is where Jesus was crucified. But these women were from Galilee. So I looked it up, and as it turns out, Galilee is about 70 miles from Jerusalem. They say if you're walking at a fast pace, it would take about six days to get from Galilee to Jerusalem. My guess is Pastor Chris thinks he could probably make it in five days or less. 
because he's a fast walker. But for the rest of us, walking as fast as we can, it's going to take about six days. It's a week's journey to get from Galilee to Jerusalem. Now these women are serious followers of Christ. If you're going to take a week's long journey just to hear Jesus teach, these women are seriously committed to Jesus. This girl gang was based on Jesus. When you look at your support system, you can usually see where each person who's in your support system comes from. Maybe you have one friend in your support system that's a friend that you made at college. Maybe another person you grew up with in youth group. Maybe a person from your spin class or your yoga class. Or some person who you guys both had babies at the same time and and you learn to be moms together. We can almost always pinpoint where each person in our support system came from. If you want to have a support system that's going to help you in your faith journey, you have to pick the right support system. You need to surround yourself with people who are growing in their relationship with God. Not perfect people, because as it turns out, there are no perfect people. They don't exist. But people who can help you find the right answers from the right sources. We live in a day where we have Google at our disposal, and we can find the answer to just about any question in a matter of seconds by Googling it. But the problem is, sometimes you don't get the right answer, and sometimes you even maybe get an answer that's right, but it's from the wrong source. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Let's say you got a new job, And in order to take this new job, they say you have to go get a physical. So you go to the doctor, and you get a physical. You get the physical, you're done, you head head home, you go about your day. The next day, you get a call from the doctor. They said they found a growth. They said they found a tumor. And immediately, you start panicking. You start freaking out. The first thing that flashes through your head is you remember your aunt who got cancer. You remember she got a call like that from her doctor. And then she ended up going through chemotherapy, and it just ruined her body. And eventually she ended up dying from cancer. Your heart starts to race. You start to get scared. What do you do? You text your group of friends. You tell them what you just heard. Now, every group of friends has a Google queen. I don't know if you know this or not, but every group of friends has someone who is a Google queen inside of that group. You know what I mean, someone who is just... A Google machine, someone who can, has looked up way too many things on the internet, and someone who can real quickly find the answers to every question on Google. So this person kind of contacts you a couple hours later outside of that text group and says, like, I've done some research, I spent some time on WebMD, based on what I find, I think you might only have like five days to live. <laughs> now, first of all, anyone who's ever Googled what they have or their, uh, their condition or whatever, you know, like, there's not really a whole lot of middle ground on the internet when it comes to health-related things. It's like, you either have a cold and you'll be fine by dinner, or you're going to die by Friday. Like, those seem to be the two options on the internet when you Google what you have. Now, I believe your friend, the Google Queen, had uh, genuinely caring um, intentions. But I got to tell you, if I find myself in that situation where I get that call from the doctor, I don't need my friend, the Google Queen. The Google Queen might have found something that the doctor said that was true. 
But I need a friend in that moment that will remind me that Jesus said, by his stripes, I am healed. My healing has already been purchased by Jesus. If I'm in that moment where I get that call from a doctor, I need a friend to remind me it's by Jesus' stripes that I'm healed. I need a friend that will remind me that Jesus is still powerful today and he still does miracles. Amen? Amen. I need a friend that says, press through the crowd and lay hold of his robe because he holds everything that you need. That's the kind of friend I need in that moment. It's not that my friend the Google Queen was wrong. It's just that I need a friend who has a source of deeper truth in that moment. So your support system needs to be based on the right things. It needs to be based on Jesus. But it also needs to be formed before the crisis. Our main text this morning is Luke 23 and 24. But the first time that we meet these women is back in Luke chapter 8. It's in Luke chapter 8, verses 1. It says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, meaning the disciples, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's house, so a powerful family. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So this is the first time that Luke introduces us to these women. And he tells us that what brought them together was the fact that they had all been healed by Jesus, kind of like us who are here today. That's what brought them together. And they're going around with Jesus and the disciples, supporting them out of their own means. These women were going together, living life together, but they did not realize how dark their day was about to get. When we run into them in Luke chapter 23, they're on the way from Galilee to Jerusalem. These women are excited. They're taking a week's long journey to go hear Jesus teach. It's a week, week away without the kids, and they're going to be able to see the one who they love, the one who touched them, the one who set them free when all hell breaks loose in their life. How many of you had a day where it felt like all hell broke loose in their life? That's what happened to these women. Maybe you got a call from a doctor that was not what you wanted to hear. Maybe you found out you lost your job. Maybe your husband confessed something that was more than you could handle. These women's day just turned really, really bad. They're on the way to see Jesus. They're doing life together when this trip takes a horrible turn. And they found out that Jesus hung on the cross and died the death that was reserved for the worst sinners. So these women are in a city that they're not familiar with. They don't have GPS. They don't have Siri to ask where to go and what to do. And I've got to be honest, women without GPS can be a little sketchy sometimes, you know? And these women are devastated. They're heartbroken. They're an emotional wreck. But these women are still together. Women, you need to learn to stick together. Luke 23, verse 55 says, The woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointment. 
On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. These women stuck together because they had been together. That was normal for them. They had been doing life together, building relationship together around Jesus who set them free. So when crisis hit, it was the natural thing to do to stick together. And you know, there's a little, little thing going on here that I can't just sweep under the rug and I can't ignore. Where are the men when all this is going on? Where are the men of faith? Where are the disciples? The men of faith, the disciples who are supposed to be the foundation of the church, they spent more time with Jesus than these women did. But where are the men? They're gone. They've scattered. Peter's gone fishing. Everyone knows a guy who thinks that every problem in life can be solved through hunting or fishing, right? That's Peter. He's like, the stuff hit the fan and I'm just going to go fishing. Where's John? John was Jesus' best friend on earth. He laid his head on Jesus' chest. He was closer to Jesus than anyone else. Where's John? He's hiding. He's scared for his life. He ran and hid. All the disciples are gone. The disciples have disbanded, but the women are still together. The women stuck together. Women, say this morning with me, stick together. You have to stick together. That's what God has called you to do. Friendship lends courage and faith. When you roll with people who you can trust, people you've built relationship with, you can experience collective courage and collective faith. You can literally borrow your friend's courage at a time in your life where you don't have the courage to face the day. That's what happened with these women. My definition of encouragement is to take whatever courage you have and like it was in a pitcher, and just dump it into someone else and to fill them up with courage so that they can face whatever's in front of them. These women experienced collective courage because they were together. And you can borrow your friend's faith in a time of need. If you find yourself in a place where your faith is weak, you better hope you have a friend next to you that can pick you up and say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put one foot in front of the other, and we're going to keep moving ahead, fixing our eyes on Jesus. These women should be scared for their lives, and maybe they were. The government was afraid they were going to be overthrown by Jesus and his followers, so the government took Jesus and they nailed him to a cross and killed him. What's the government going to do next? They're going to come after anyone who names the name of Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ in this moment, your life is in grave danger. And the disciples were nowhere to be found. But these women, they stuck together. They could have packed it in. They could have said, you know what, we're going to go back to Galilee. We're going to travel through the night and hide out during the day. But Jesus deserved a proper burial. And these women were going to see to it that Jesus' body was taken care of. I don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but my guess is that Mary Magdalene took care of the prayer chain. How many of you are thankful for women in your life that take care of telling you all the prayer needs? I don't know for sure, but my guess is that uh, my guess is that Joanna probably took care of the meal train. She probably made sure that everyone who was in crisis was getting fed. And Solomay, she sounds like a hippie to me, so my guess is 
she sold essential oils, so she was probably in charge of getting the spices and the oils together for Jesus' body. This girl gang is grieving, but they were going to get the job done. They weren't going to give up. They were experiencing collective courage and collective faith because they were together. Luke 24, verse 2 through 6 says, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood up by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. Friendship is a place where God will speak to you. In this story, it was an angel that spoke to these women. But maybe in your life, maybe it's a friend who comes up to you when you're getting picked on at school and puts their arm around you and they say, don't listen to them. They're crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. Maybe that wasn't just a friend who was speaking to you. Maybe that was God speaking to you through a friend. Or maybe your kids are grown and your kids are out of the house and they're adults and word kind of gets around about your son who's ruined his life for probably the fifth or sixth time. And he's done something stupid again, and you feel like a failure. And you have a friend who comes up to you and gives you a hug and says, it's not your fault. This isn't a reflection on you. This is not what you taught him. And maybe in that moment, that wasn't just a friend saying something nice to you. Maybe that was God speaking to you through a friend. There was one night where uh, I was here at church for a board meeting. And we got done with the board meeting late, and I went home. And when I got home, April was sitting on the couch with one of our friends. And I came in, and I walked in the living room, and April said, we're going to need a minute, which means leave. So I went upstairs, and at that point, our kids were little. They were babies, and they were sleeping. And so I tiptoed around my upstairs in my house like I was Indiana Jones sneaking through. Like I knew where every squeaky board was in the floor, and you know, I could jump over here and miss this squeak and jump over there and miss that squeak. And I just did not want to wake up the kids. You guys know how that is sometimes. So I was real quiet, sneaking through the house, and I got into bed, and I just laid there, and I was going to read for a while. And I wasn't trying to hear the conversation between April and her friend, but I couldn't help but hear it because I was trying to be so quiet. And this girl had just had a baby, and I had heard April on the phone with her a few times over the last couple days. And as it turns out, she was having a hard time feeding her baby. She hadn't even been out of the hospital for a week. And her baby wouldn't wouldn't eat, and she knew that her baby was going to lose weight and was going to end up back in the hospital. And some of you could imagine how that might be, how that might feel for that mom. And everyone who she knew came out from under every rock to tell her what she was doing wrong and what she needed to do differently. And if you just tried this hold, or this position, or this technique, or that technique, And this girl just has the weight of the world on her shoulders. like She's collapsing under it. And April sat with her and talked with her, and they tried a few things, and and it wasn't going well. And this mom, she hadn't slept for the whole week. like She's sleep-deprived, and the truth is she's about this close to losing it. April sat with her and just rubbed her shoulder and talked to her, tried to help her relax, tried to help her settle down. 
And I heard April after a while say to her, you know, I don't think this is an issue of mechanics. I don't think there's anything wrong with you. I don't think you need to try another hold or another position. She said, I think you feel an incredible internal stress. And that stress is affecting you and it's affecting your baby. And this woman just broke and just started weeping. She said, this is supposed to be the simplest job as a mom. Like every mom throughout all of history has found a way to feed their baby. Like this is a time where I'm supposed to be connecting with my baby and building relationship. If I can't figure out the simplest of things, if I can't figure out the first thing I'm supposed to do as a mom, how in the world am I going to figure out the next 5,000 things that I have to do as a mom? And April said, God will meet you in this place. He will meet you in this place and you'll get through this. You will be able to feed your baby and your baby is going to be okay. God's going to meet you in this place and you're going to find a deeper place of connection and relationship with him than you ever had before. And then you'll have the confidence moving forward that in the next crisis you find yourself in, in the next hard place you find yourself in, you'll know that God can meet you in that place too. This wasn't just April speaking nice words to a friend. This was God speaking through a friend some, to someone exactly what they needed to hear. That's what God will do in friendship as he will speak to us exactly what our heart needs to hear. The angel asked this girl gang a question. And I want to end by asking you the same question this morning. The angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? I wonder if there are any women here this morning that have been going to dead places in relationships. Going to places that erode and harm the relationship instead of building the relationship. I think one of the most common dead places that women frequent is comparison. Comparison is a dead place. It's no bueno. It's it's not going to be good for you. Comparison will destroy you. And you know, comparison has never been more easily accessible than it is in 2021. Back in the day, 50, 75 years ago, you could only really compare yourself to the people you ran into in a given day. The people across the street from you, the people who live by you, your neighbors. This is where the term keeping up with the Joneses came from, is comparing yourself to your neighbors, the people who live across the street from you or up up down the road from you. In 2021, in a matter of moments, in a couple swipes of your finger, you can compare yourself to any group of people you want to on the face of the planet. You can compare yourself to thousands of people in the course of an hour and see where you do and don't measure up. And I'm telling you, that is a dead place that will erode and destroy the support system that God is trying to build around you. And there's really two sides to comparison. The first side of comparison is I'm not as good as her. You hear a friend talking or you see them post something on social media about meal planning on Sunday. And you look at these little packages and containers that they have all their food in. It's all laid out for the week. And you look at that and you just roll your eyes and you think to yourself, they're planning meals a week in advance? Like, I'm planning meals at 5.14 when I should have started at 4.30 and then I find out I don't have two of the ingredients I need and the kids are all, like, you're just like, they have it all together and I'm a mess. 
she's better than me. And what you did right there is you disallowed yourself from entering into a relationship that might be a life-giving relationship that God wanted to use around you to help support you. The other side of comparison is I'm better than her. Maybe you're headed to Walmart and uh, you come around the curve there by McDonald's and you see your friend in the drive-thru. And you wave at her and you smile. And, but inside you're thinking, like, she feeds her kids fast food? Like, McDonald's uses Red Dye 40? Like, do you hate your kids? Like, do, are, you trying to, are you trying to make sure your kids get cancer? Like, come on. Like, I would never feed my kids McDonald's. I mean, I'd feed them Chick-fil-A if I was in a pinch. But, like, that sandwich is blessed of God, you know? I'm so much better than she is, you know? And right there, you chose to let that relationship that might be a relationship that God wants to build in your support system be eroded. Oftentimes, comparison will lead to competition. You guys all have had conversations with someone who has to one-up you in every, every conversation you have. Like It doesn't matter if you can talk about something good in your life. Maybe you're excited about going on vacation, and it's been a long time since you went on vacation, and she says, yeah, we've been on nine vacations so far in 2020. We've got another 35 books. It's going to be a good year for us. Like, got to one-up you, right? Or maybe it's someone who their life is always worse than yours. You're talking about something you're struggling with, and they're like, yeah, I, I know you had that, but I've had that happen 45 times. But, you know, they just always have to find some way to compete with you, to one-up the situation. That's a dead place. It's a trap for women. And then sometimes women get so tired and so frustrated with comparison and competing that eventually they just check out. And they say, you know what, like, I'm just not even going to do it. Like, the friendship thing just, I don't think it's going to work for me for one reason or another. And they check out and then they dive into other things. Maybe they dive into work or gardening or taking care of the grandkids or, or really anything, any number of things you could dive into. But the truth is, you know in your heart, you're going through life and you feel lonely. You feel that place where you don't have those friendships that you used to have. And then some women take it a step further and they just go to concealing. I guess there's a type of makeup, I don't know much about makeup as, as you could imagine, but I guess there's a type of makeup called concealer, which is meant to use to cover up imperfections on your skin. Some women take concealer and just try and rub it over their whole life. You go through life wearing a mask. You feel so fake because you know you're not being real. You know, these days you can create an entire digital persona that'll make your life look perfect on the outside, but you feel like a mess inside because you know your life is really falling apart and you don't have friends or the support system that you need. You feel like no one knows you. You act like you don't have an eating disorder. You act like you don't have anger issues. You act like your marriage isn't a mess. You post a picture of you sitting on the beach and you have a glass of wine and you act like you had one drink, but you know you had six or seven because the truth is, your life is just too much and you just want to escape it. Your support system has to be built on being real. Your support system can't just be built on being negative and complaining, and you could go too far in the other direction. I'm not saying to go there. But you can't build your support system 
on a fake foundation. It'll never be able to carry the weight of life. A couple of years ago, Natalie was wearing this shirt, and the shirt said, Girls Support Girls. I think this ought to be the motto of every girl gang in this county, that girls support girls. We're not going to compete. We're not going to get into the mess of comparison. We're not going to check out. We're just simply going to support each other where each other's at and let each other know I'm here for you. You don't have to be perfect with me. I'm here for you. How can your friends support you in your struggle if you act like everything is perfect? How can your friends, friends pray for you if they didn't know there was any situation that needed to be covered in prayer? How can your friends celebrate progress in your life if they didn't know there was a situation that was a mess and progress was needed to be made? Relationships are risky. Could you get hurt? Yeah, you could. But if you build your support system the right way, the rewards outweigh the risk a thousandfold. If you build a girl gang based on Jesus as your foundation, if you form a support system before the crisis, if you encourage one another and avoid dead places, you will have a support system that will get you where God wants you to go. I heard a girl uh, talking recently, and she talked about a time in her life where all hell broke loose. Her mom passed away from an accident. Her mom was way too young to die. Her family was like just thrown for a loop. They were completely unprepared for this. On this day that she was talking about, it was a day or two after her mom had passed away, and she was in the side room at her parents' house with her dad, her two brothers, and their pastor, and they were planning the funeral for her mom. She said she had felt like she had just spent the last two days just weeping, like couldn't even control herself. Her mom was her rock, and now her rock was gone. She was in with the pastor and her brothers and her dad. They were planning the funeral. And she said she just was about to lose it again, and she didn't want to lose it in front of her dad again. So she just excused herself and walked out into the living room. And as she came around the corner in the living room, she walked into the kitchen, and she couldn't believe what she saw there. In the kitchen was some of her favorite food, and some of her dad's favorite food, and some of her brother's favorite foods, and their friends had brought them food so that when they were in this crisis, when they were grieving, they wouldn't have to worry about trying to find food. And then she thought of food, and then she realized, like my whole life revolves around feeding my kids three times a day, and I don't even know where my kids are right now. But she realized she knew one of her friends would have her kids and be taking care of her kids, and they'd be passing them around between each other and making sure they were doing okay. And then the pastor and her brothers and her dad came out of the side room, and she just started to cry, and she didn't want them to, to see her, so she walked out the front door. When she walked out the front door, she looked to her right, and her best friend was sitting there on the porch swing. Her best friend had sat on that porch swing all night. She saw her at like 5 o'clock uh, the evening before, and she realized her friend never left. Her friend just stayed there in case she needed someone to talk to, in case she needed someone to give her a hug. So she came out the front door. She saw her friend, and... They both started crying and they embraced each other. And she said, it was in that moment that I realized I have surrounded myself with the best support system. These people were exactly what I needed in this moment. Girls, I want to ask you this morning, 
Are there holes in your support system? Are your friendships based on the wrong thing? Or are you lacking friends completely? If you walked out of this door, this, the church doors this, this morning, and you walked into a crisis, would you be unsupported? Or maybe you've gotten stuck in the place of comparison and competition, or maybe you've just checked out and you've just been concealing, acting like everything's okay. Today you can make a decision to build a support system that will get you where God wants you to go. Would you bow your heads this morning? Women, I just want to give you a chance to respond to God. If you feel like somewhere in that message this morning, God was speaking to you, and you just want to say, God, I heard you. I heard what you were speaking to me, and I know I want to build a support system on the right things. If you know maybe you've been kind of checking out on life and friendship just hasn't been working for you for whatever reason and you feel kind of alone and you just want to say, God, I hear you. If that's you this morning, for all the women who are here, if you just want to respond to God and say, God, I heard you this morning, would you just stand to your feet? Say, God, I I heard you and I want to begin to build a support system that's going to get me where you want me to go. I want to begin to build a support system that's in a healthy place. I feel like I've tried before. I put myself out there and I've gotten hurt. But God, I want to do it again. I want to build a support system the way that you want me to. Lord, I pray for every woman that's in this place today. All these women are in different places. They all have different things going on in their life. They're in different stages of life. But they need each other. You didn't bring them here by accident. I think of Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Solome. Those women were brought together because they had been healed by you, just like this group of women that are here today. Lord, I pray specifically for those women who feel like they have tried friendship and feel like they got hurt, someone stabbed them in the back, or it just didn't work, or they just grew apart. Lord, I ask that in this season, as these women step out, to look to build godly relationships that will get them where you want them to go. Lord, I ask that there would be favor over it like crazy. They would be shocked. They would step out again and try again. And as they do that, they would find you right there to meet them. Lord, I ask you to do something significant in the women of this church. That they would build a support system that they could be there for one another and care for one another in the way that you would want them to. I ask you to bless each woman who's here this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. I want to say bless you guys and have an awesome week. Next week I'm going to be preaching a message for the guys. So make sure the men in your life get their booties to church and hear what God wants to speak to them. Amen. Have a great week.